Uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, it is good to have fun and rejoice when we're in your house. Lord, bless us now as, as having sung your praise, we listen to your word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray, amen. Well, it has now been almost a year since I announced to you that Linda and I are going to retire at the end of this January. But it wasn't until the Israel trip that it began to feel real to me. Because you see, right before Israel, we sold and moved out of our house, as many of you who are still recovering remember. Then on Facebook, when we got back, I started a countdown, 60 days to go, sharing memories that I will not finish sharing before the countdown runs out. I'm only in Wisconsin right now. And then, over the holiday, it really became real as I started to pack up my books. You have to understand, a pastor's library is his toolkit. And I've had many of those books for over 38, 40 years since, since I was in seminary. And now, about four boxes going to Ben, and there's about four boxes going to Steve, and another box for a friend of ours who has a seminary in his congregation. Some went to this young man here. And there's a whole bunch out there that you can take. Please, my wife begs you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it felt real. In fact, took me back to 2001 when I was asked by my mentor, our pastor, David Cook, our campus pastor. We never belonged to his congregation, but he was our pastor preach at his retirement in Ann Arbor, Michigan, St. Luke's. Before going to preach, I called David and I said, so David, what are, what's troubling you about retirement? He said, I have been a pastor now most of my life. If I'm not a pastor anymore, who am I? I understand his fear now better than I did 20-some years ago. Think about it. For 38 years, the only people who have called me by my first name are family members. And then really, it's my sisters and Linda because the others call me Dad and Pop-Pop. To everyone else, I've been pastor. Even to those who didn't belong to one of my congregations that I serve. And so it's very easy for a pastor to become your identity. Because you are in ministry, when you're in ministry, you are a pastor all the time. You're a pastor 24-7. Wherever you go, whatever you do, it's one of the things that, by the way, I'm going to say this, drives pastors' kids 
nuts because some of you all think that they're supposed to be better than everybody else's kids. And it's why many pastors' kids grow up hating the church. They're not any different than your kids. Remember that with William and the one to come. They're just kids. That's an added commercial. Okay? Retirement has given me pause to remember being a pastor is what I do. It's not who I am. It's caused me to stop and ask the question, is there something more important than being a pastor? To ask the question, what matters most? And in our text today from Philippians, that's really the question that that St. Paul is wrestling with in his own life. What matters most? Listen as Paul recounts to us all the things that he thought mattered so much. He said, if anyone else thinks he has a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Because of all those things that he just listed, Paul had come to be confident that surely his relationship with God had to be great. If anyone could claim a right to be right with God, surely it was him. After all, he had given his best for God. Then on the road to Damascus, the man who at that time was known as Saul met Jesus and discovered that the God he had thought he was serving, he had in fact been persecuted. And all the things that he thought mattered so much that made him something special, that made him right with God, would never be enough. In fact, only one thing matters. Now you may think, well, duh, we're Lutherans, we know that. Paul should have been a Lutheran. Folks, he's more Lutheran than you or me. Folks, that's a hard lesson that we all have to learn and relearn every day of our lives. It's one that I've had to learn and relearn over and over again because you see, our default position, what comes natural to us, our default position is to believe that if we do our best for God, He will reward us. That if we go to church every Sunday and we give generously, if we pray fervently, if we're good neighbors, honest citizens, hard workers, if we live a good life, then surely that counts for something before God that will make up for our mistakes, that will get us in the door. And while all those things are wonderful things, none of them will make you or me right with God. Being a pastor does not bring you any closer to God. 
That's the way it is. No matter what you think, he and I do not have a, a, a straight line that you don't have. We have the same one you have. And anything that you believe that about, I want you to hear again the word that Paul uses for those things when it comes to our relationship with God. He calls them rubbish. A nice word for garbage. You want to hear what Isaiah called it? I'm not going to be as graphic as the Hebrew is. Ask me later. All our righteousness is as a filthy rag before God. Folks, yes, you should give your best for God. But if you believe that will save you, that's a false sense of security. Because then you're going to go around believing that everything's going well, well, God must be happy with you, but then all that security goes away all of a sudden when things go wrong and it all comes crashing down. What's wrong? It's like the man in my first parish who was in the hospital. He was, got sick. He would eventually take his life. And he said to me, why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. I've lived a good life. I know some of my neighbors, they deserve this, not me. God isn't being fair. What matters most is not that you have given your best for God, but that He gave His best for you. He gave Jesus, His own Son. Indeed, Jesus isn't what matters most. When it comes to your relationship with God, Jesus is the only thing that matters. The only one that matters. Having a right relationship with Jesus is only, with God is only possible because of Jesus. Salvation and forgiveness are possible through Christ and Christ alone. That's the great truth that Paul lays out in this text. The rest of the text, he says, whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus more, more my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law from things that I did, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God as a gift and is by faith. Christ alone was born to be your Savior in Bethlehem. Christ alone went into the water to be baptized by John to fulfill all righteousness. Christ alone lived the perfect life that God desires. Christ alone offered that life up on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. Christ alone rose from the dead that all who believe in Him might have life. Christ alone ascended into heaven, lives and reigns to all eternity. Christ alone came to you in baptism clothed you with His righteousness. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. Lynn and I had a professor at Concordia College in Milwaukee. We called him Stormin Norman Wangren. He was the theology prof on campus. And when we had him for elements of biblical theology, he must have said it every class. 
We are justified before God by faith in Christ alone. Period. There is no Christ plus anything. No Christ plus how nice you were. No Christ plus what a good church member you were. No Christ plus what you gave to the church. Anytime he said you add anything to Christ, anytime you have added anything to Christ, you have destroyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are saved by Christ alone. End of sentence. I want you to listen to Peter's words when he was before the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. He says, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that He stands before you healed. He, meaning Jesus, is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Folks, that's why John the Baptist would not allow his disciples to be jealous that more people were going to Jesus than to John. He's the groom, John told them. I'm just the best man. My job is to point to him. He, Jesus, must increase. And I, must decrease. That's the text I preached at David's retirement. Because he preached on John the Baptist at my ordination. See, pastors are like the groom's best man. They talk about the groom, the bride at the wedding. They give a toast. And then they fade into the background. I reminded David that you being pastor was important. We loved you for it. And your wife Ruth. Who is going to be here for the retirement. I said, but being a pastor was only temporary. What mattered most for him, for me, for you, the one thing that matters for eternity is that by faith in Jesus, we are children of God. And I told David, that's who you are. Child of God, part of the bride of Christ. And that's who I am. That's who this guy is. That's who you are. Grateful children of God, forgiven and redeemed. Christ alone is all you and I need. I love the words of the old hymn. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill the law's demand. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. 
Thou must save, and Thou alone. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to Thy cross I cling. Naked come to Thee for dress, helpless look to Thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. When it comes to salvation, Christ is not just what matters most. He's the only thing that matters. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which pass on our understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.